I'm the girl who talks a lot. I'm the girl who always has her head in the clouds. I'm the girl that tries to find the humor in every situation. I'm the girl who's too much. Hi, I'm Sam Richardson, and this is my podcast, Living Richardson. Hey, hey, glory holes. It feels weird but thrilling to be on the other side of my live show. The aftermath, if you will. Many of you have asked how it went, and I'm happy to report that it was a smashing success. It was a very cold night, and it's a lot to ask of you to travel all the way to the Rubber City, so there were only about 12 people in attendance, but it was a freaking blast. The audience was utterly engaging, and we even welcomed some new glory holes to the community. There are whispers of doing it again in the future. Maybe we tweak things a bit, but overall, it was a win. My favorite part was hopping off stage and hanging out with strangers that felt like family. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Thank you so much to everyone who made it such a great experience. Today's topic was actually sparked by a fellow glory hole, a follower, not an actual one. Last week, I did a Q&A on my social media stories, and someone asked for advice on how to maintain your spicy life when you have kids. My answer for this is a little more in-depth than just a fun Q&A, so it deserves its own spotlight. Welcome to episode 18, keeping it spicy. A little disclaimer before we begin, I am not an expert in sex, marriage, or parenting. I've just been participating in each area for over a decade, so I share my personal life experiences and offer advice based on what has worked for my family. I took a poll in my Facebook group, Glory Holes, parentheses, Basin Warriors, I cannot be held responsible for the true Glory Hole groups that pop up in your search. I asked what were the struggles couples who had children faced while trying to keep their sex life viable. There was a great response from all genders, and the answer became repetitive. Doesn't it feel great knowing we're not going through something alone? Before we dive into those trials, I think it's imperative to have some understanding of love languages. They are a real thing, and the more you recognize them, the better all of your relationships will be, intimate or not. It's also necessary to realize that a relationship can work if the individuals involved have different love languages. As a relationship grows, couples learn how one another ticks and adapts to their needs. There are five types of love languages, and how you receive love isn't always the same as how you show it either. The first love language is my personal favorite, Words of affirmation. What makes me go weak at the knee is some positive verbiage. However, negative remarks and criticism will tear me down, which I've had to work really hard to overcome seeing as I get such wonderful comments online. Seriously though, Kyle can tell you that my favorite gift to receive from him is a note. I always look forward to what he writes in my cards, that he's actually stopped buying cards and just scrawl something himself. Let me tell you, The spreadsheet king is a numbers guy. He hates writing, and reading for that matter, but he does it because he understands and appreciates the language that speaks to my soul, literally. In hindsight, I accept that he is not a words of affirmation person and don't expect to hear it from him often. So when he does show his love in my language, it means so much more. This brings us to the second love language, Kyle's style, quality time. Now this in itself can differ slightly from person to person. For some, like Kyle, quality time can be any amount of time with your person, even watching a show or movie together. 
but others may prefer complete one-on-one time without distractions. I also love quality time together. Just being in the same room with Kyle, even with distractions, you know, like those three little angels we're raising, makes me feel safe and secure. As you listen to the descriptions of each love language, you may find that you relate to more than one, and that's normal. You don't have to choose just one. Emotions aren't supposed to fit in a perfectly wrapped box. What's important is understanding what makes you and your partners feel loved and secure and keeping that in mind as you interact on a daily basis. Love languages aren't just for intimacy. Showing each other that you respect one another's language outside of the bedroom ultimately brings you closer in the bedroom. The third love language happens to be how both Kyle and I give love. Acts of service. Doing something for your partner that you know they would like, such as filling up their gas or picking up their slack when they fall behind. That speaks volumes to me personally. When you give acts of service, you're giving up your time to put someone else first in order to bring them joy. Even though the main way I receive love is through words of affirmation, and Kyle's main way to receive it is through quality time, we understand that we each give love by performing acts of service for each other. I may not hear the words straight from Kyle's mouth all the time, and he may not get as much quality time as he likes, but when I bring him coffee or he folds laundry like he hates to do, we recognize that this is their way of showing us love, and that fills the space when we don't receive our main language. That being said, it is important that your partner gives you your main love language from time to time. It's all about communication and understanding what makes the other person tick. The fourth love language is physical touch. This one is interesting to me. I used to consider physical touch to be high on my list, but after becoming a mom and experiencing the very real struggle of being touched out, over the years, physical touch has become less desirable for me. That sounds harsh, but let's take a little detour for a moment to discuss being touched out. This is one of the most common responses I've received from mothers as to why they struggle in the bedroom. Being touched out is when a parent is constantly physically touched or needed by their children, significant other, and even the family dog for physical comfort throughout the day, and it becomes irritable as a result of missing out on their bodily anatomy. Parents, especially moms, do it all technological advances meant to make our life easier have actually made us feel like we're on call 24-7. Some of the pressure being felt by parents that are touched out could be a result of all the demands, not just the direct physical demands of a child. There is a lot of great information on the web regarding the subject, but I like this article I found on parents.com that reviews the topic with Dr. Mary Kay Fleming, a former professor specializing in human development, early childhood, and parenting, and explains four ways how to cope with being touched out. Number one, take a break. Hmm, I think I have an episode regarding that very thing. Taking a break can be the absolute best treatment in certain situations, says Dr. Fleming. Parents need time to themselves and time away to refresh, refocus, and replenish that deep reservoir needed to nurture. Of course, this can be difficult to practice in reality, especially if your child is very young. Babies don't exactly understand the need for their parents to take a break when they're hungry, right? Instead, if you can, ask for help or schedule a true break time in your calendar so you can stick to it. If someone else is there to care for the baby, that is the best way to get a moment to yourself. This is where dads can step up. Perform an act of service by caring for the baby or kids and allowing mom to have complete alone time. 
I absolutely hated being alone until I became a mom. And moms, if you are granted alone time, be selfish. Too often, I utilize my alone time to complete chores and tasks, which means I'm still taking care of other needs before my own. Truly take a break and allow yourself the time to get back into a peaceful mindset. I've actually developed a little routine for a break once the kids are in bed. Kyle usually lies in bed scrolling his phone or TV, waiting for one of the children to need something they don't actually need, and I go into the bathroom where I medicate and decompress. I actually bought myself a little floor cushion. It's awesome, and it brings me so much joy. Kyle laughed at how giddy I got over it at HomeGoods. But taking those few minutes to not have to be anything to anyone helps me connect with myself and switch gears from mom mode to skank mode. I hope by now you listening understand my sarcasm. It appears to be lost on the Reddit community. The second way to cope is by communicating with your partner. If you're feeling touched out, don't be afraid to let your other household members know. There is no shame in it. And the sooner your kids and partner learn about your needs, the better. Have a conversation with your partner about how you're feeling and make a plan to help you. The adults need to communicate with one another about their needs and expectations for one another and for their children and get on the same page. That is the real key to happiness, explains Dr. Fleming. Two parents in the same home are part of a collective endeavor, the most important one of their lives. They are building something special together. If they don't support each other, the kids will pay the price. This involves the boundaries set for the children and the time spent together. All things can be talked out. The third coping mechanism is to redirect the touch. I actually try to practice this. Instead of touching solely focused on caregiving for others, add in touching that is beneficial to your well-being. For instance, consider getting a massage or a pedicure. Doing something that is focused solely on taking care of yourself and including touch as a main component is a great way to remind yourself and your body that being close and connected to others can be fulfilling and positive. My biggest turn on is being gently caressed and kissed on my neck, shoulder, and back area. But on those days where I'm feeling touched out, I don't even want that. I've learned to refocus my thoughts on the fact that those soft touches from Kyle are wanted touches. Because I do want my husband. But when I feel like nothing is my own, not even my body, I hold on to this idea of almost protecting it, if you will. Nothing else is touching her. Let her be. Shwoop. Walls up. Before I get canceled for saying I don't want to be touched by my children, let me tell you, you're correct. My kids give me a lot of unwanted contact. No, I'm not talking about their love and affection, although consistently holding a child when you need a break is unwanted. I'm a human jungle gym. I'm bounced on, plowed into, poked, prodded, and jiggled by three little humans who don't understand the meaning of boundaries. Somehow, in our house... Kyle will be playing with the kids, and something happens that I always end up getting hurt, usually a toy or knee to the face. Thanks, but no thanks. I love my babies, I love my husband, but my body is mine, and I need to feel some control over it in order to feel comfortable allowing others access to it. The fourth and final coping mechanism for being touched out, according to Parents.com, is to ditch unrealistic expectations. If we expect ourselves to give 100% all the time with anything less perceived as failure, we're doomed before we even begin. No one can meet those expectations. Be kind to yourself while you walk through the different milestones and needs of your child. You will have bad days and you will have good days. Remember that and keep your internal dialogue similar to what you would say to a struggling friend. 
If you're feeling touched out today, that's okay. Acknowledge it, accept it, make a plan to get a break if you can, and remember that tomorrow will be a new day. I've been practicing this in my daily living with regards to every situation in my life. I carry a lot of trauma. Most of it makes me reflect badly on myself due to other people's perceptions of me. It's not my problem to live up to someone else's expectations. Grant yourself the grace to make mistakes, but work hard to learn from them. I constantly have a million things to do, so each day I prioritize what needs done the most and I write down realistic daily to-do lists, even simple things like scheduling out time for me to shower. If I don't schedule self-care time, yes, even showering, I feel guilty doing it. Ooh, we went down a rabbit hole on the subject of being touched out, but it's vital to understand that it's a very real thing and supporting your partner and listening to their needs is the key to ending that struggle. The final language of love is receiving or giving gifts. Of all the love languages, gift giving and receiving is arguably the most often misconstrued. To some, it can seem greedy or as if the recipient is fixated on things versus love itself. But that's not the case. The true meaning of gift giving isn't extravagance, it's sentiment. A person with this love language might cherish the gift, however small, more than someone who speaks a different love language. Every time they see it, it serves as a reminder that they are loved. Now that we've covered the five love languages, it's time to examine the biggest struggles couples seem to face with being intimate when they are also parents. I've already covered moms being touched out, which is a huge one, but it goes hand in hand with being overstimulated as well. For me, a neurodivergent person, I get overstimulated very easily. It's not just the sensation of constantly being touched. It's anything that can overwhelm any of my five senses. However, sound and touch are the biggest issues for me. For example, I'll be cooking dinner, the TV's on, one kid's blaring their iPad, another one's running through the house with the dog barking, the third is all up in my space talking 60 miles per minute, then Kyle will creep in and playfully touch my booty. Just thinking about all of that is overstimulating me. The second most common response I received was that there is never enough time due to different schedules or no childcare, or when there is time, you're too exhausted. Exhaustion caused by doing everything for everyone and also lack of sleep because kids. We can also add bed sharing to this. Each of our kids started out in a bassinet in our rooms and then transferred to sleeping in their own rooms around six months. However, Blair, who is now four years old, has a bad habit of coming into our room about 20 minutes after we put her to bed. We do have a lot going on in our lives, and I'm trying to cherish my last baby being little, but we really need to work on this. Those with older kids said they found it difficult to make time because the older kids know what's going on. Luckily, our oldest child who knows about the birds and bees is in the bedroom furthest away from ours. The last struggle response I received was needs being unmet by their partner, or that one partner has to mother the other one, essentially. This can be for either partner. Kyle and I come from different upbringings. He happens to be more domesticated than I am. I'm definitely the messy one in our marriage. We've both had to adapt and adjust our lifestyles and living together, but we work because we understand each other. There are multiple things you can do to address and work towards fixing these struggles. Contribute to your household chores without being told to. I am the primary homemaker, however, I manage five people's schedules, so sometimes my household chores get neglected. When the kids are little, chores go undone because your little angels take all of your attention, or they're destructive tornadoes destroying everything you've cleaned, that it doesn't look like you've done anything, when in actuality you've been busting your ass all day. As the kids get older, chores go undone because you're pulled between running them to all their activities. 
Not that I have them in a bunch of things, but three kids involved in stuff adds up fast. But Kyle steps in whenever I can't. This is especially true since starting this podcast and growing Living Richardson. Kyle and I contribute equally to the household chores now. I'm still mainly responsible for the care of the children because I'm home, but we're switching gears into me being more of a work-from-home type mom. I work on Living Richardson things in between child rearing. It's important to recognize that as your children grow, so will your family dynamics. What worked in the past may need tweaked or fully changed in order to adapt to your growing lifestyle. And I'm going to say this at the risk of being canceled again, but it's okay to ignore your kids. Now, let's break that down. No, do not neglect your children or ignore their needs. But if you need to take a break, either for some self-care or spicy time, which frankly, spicy time is considered self-care, they'll be fine. If you have an infant or a baby, once all their needs are met, place them in a safe space such as their crib or playpen while you meet your needs for a few minutes. With everything going on in our lives and having a child in our bed every night, Kyle and I have had to make the time for intimacy. One day last week, he was home when the older kids were at school. I occupied Blair and called Kyle into our room for an afternoon delight. As soon as the clothes were off, there was knocking at our door. We called out to Blair to make sure she didn't actually need anything. Once we were assured of that, we chose to ignore her insistent knocks and name-calling so that we could have a few minutes to connect. Guess what? She was perfectly fine. As a woman whose body has gone through many changes, one of my personal struggles with intimacy is not feeling like I'm desirable for my husband. I'm sure this is true for a lot of mothers as well. When I'm feeling bad about myself, I don't want to share my atrociousness with him. It's time to reclaim your sexual identity. You are more than a mother, and your body can and should be used to experience pleasure for all the trauma it's endured. This topic will send us down another rabbit hole and would probably be best addressed in its own episode. The last piece of advice I'm going to share is probably the biggest factor as to what keeps our sex life spicy. Due to childhood trauma, surprise, surprise, I was very vanilla. I felt shameful with most sexual activities, but finally being in a relationship where I 1000% trust my partner helps me to break past that sexual trauma. It's honestly scary how much I trust Kyle in and outside the bedroom. Being together for over 10 years has given us so much time to work and grow together. We have truly built an amazing life. Not with items of monetary value, but with our relationship. Anywhere with him will feel like home. He is my safe place. Listen, I'm still a bad bitch, okay? But even bad bitches need their person. Trusting Kyle enough to communicate my sexual likes and dislikes has helped me to be comfortable trying new things. Like I said, I was super vanilla and turned my head in disgust or maybe fear when it came to introducing toys or new positions in the bedroom. I guarantee most of you will still consider me vanilla, but I've come a long way. To save any gory details from friends or family listening, listen to the episode of this podcast entitled The Tea is Spicy. That was a fun episode where I did a sex Q&A and discussed my personal preferences in the bedroom. In conclusion, from my personal experience with trying to maintain a sex life while also being a parent, here are my key pieces of advice. Communication, which builds trust, is first and foremost. It is amazing how much your relationship will flourish, both intimately and not, when you have that unbreakable trusting bond. Learn each other's love languages, how they receive and how they give. 
understanding that even if you differ from one another's, the relationship can still prosper. Make the time for intimacy, even when you're tired. I know, I know. Trust me, this is the hardest one for me too. When we allow ourselves to become so consumed with our personal lives and child rearing and being touched out, the last thing we want to see is a penis or a vagina if that floats your boat. In a way, we're associating intimacy with our partners as a chore, another thing to add to the to-do list. And that's sad. I don't know about you, but before the exhaustion motherhood brought me, I wanted and felt desirable all the time. Why should we let go of that? Get out of the mindset that sex with your partner is a chore. Unless they are completely selfish and you never get taken care of, then valid. And I will help you hide the body because that's just rude. Take control of your body back. Discover your inner erotic queen and set her free. I'm not one who typically initiates. Thank you, childhood trauma. But sometimes I get the thought to do it and I run with it. If you are truly in a safe and loving relationship, it'll empower you. Don't allow the negative thoughts or your kids keep you from having the best sex life ever with the person you chose to commit your life or at least the next few months to. I hope my personal experience and advice has helped and encouraged you in some way. I should start giving you homework. I challenge you to partake in intimacy with your partner at least three times by the next episode. I think you can do that. Here I go, maybe going to get canceled for a third time in one episode. But if you want to see more body positivity encouragement check out my OnlyFans page. I started off very nervous, but it's actually allowed me to embrace myself. I do tasteful artistic body shots, no nips or lips, even though they try to persuade me, but take from it what you will. Feel free to follow me on multiple social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, even though TikTok and I have a love-hate relationship, at Living Richardson, and or join my amazing community of glory holes on our Facebook page, glory holes, parentheses, basin warriors. I've had a lot of requests to speak about PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, so that will be the topic of my next episode. Feel free to join the Facebook group and submit questions there, or email me at livingrichardson at gmail.com. Catch you later, glory holes. Thanks for listening.